The following program may contain views, ideas, and opinions that have been produced by the hosts and their guests and are not reflective of Quixie 98.3 or Skytower Communications. For questions, comments, and concerns, email us at news at wqxe.com. Good morning and welcome to the program. I'm Zach Epperson. This coming week, March the 23rd on Tuesday, is Diabetes Alert Day, observed annually every fourth Tuesday in March, and it serves as a wake-up call that focuses on the seriousness of diabetes and the importance of understanding a person's risk. So to talk about Alert Day, we have on the program this morning two terrific guests, nurse practitioner Vanessa Patty with the Baptist Health Heart and Diabetes Care Clinic and RN and Certified Diabetes Education Specialist Betty Bryan. Ladies, it's a pleasure to have you on the program today. How are you? We are wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm peachy. Good to hear. Good to hear. I know the sun's starting to come out at that time of year. I think everybody's, their mood's starting to improve a little bit, you know. So we have you all on today uh, to talk about coming up here, Diabetes Alert Day on uh, next week, uh, March 23rd. Uh, so the first thing uh, I want to talk about, and uh, either one of you want to start with this first, um, Betty, if you want to start with it, uh, explain to us what exactly is Diabetes Alert Day? Diabetes Alert Day is more of a wake-up call. And we need to focus on the seriousness of diabetes and the importance of a person understanding their risk for diabetes. So we encourage the, uh, if you or a loved one is at risk for diabetes of taking a quick and simple diabetes risk test. Uh, you know, I'll, my next question, and Vanessa, I'll, I'll come to you now. You know, how many people, we've talked about this before back in November with Diabetes Awareness Month, I believe, uh, but remind us, how many people uh, are affected by diabetes here in Kentucky? And what about our, our immediate region here in the Lincoln Trail Health region? Here in in the area that we live in here, we are, um, we're relatively um, high, about 11 to 14 percent of our population has diabetes in this area. But, you know, in comparison to areas in far eastern Kentucky, it's, it's as high as like 23% of the population. Um, the 2020 Kentucky uh, diabetes fact sheets that's put together by the state say that the number of people diagnosed with diabetes from 2000 to 2018 has doubled. And uh, we are now, uh, Kentucky is the eighth highest in the United States for the prevalence of diabetes. And that's people that we know that have diabetes. And so there's, uh, they also estimate that there's probably about 158,000 more people out here um, in the state that are walking around um, undiagnosed. And that's based on, you know, statistics in comparison across the country. So, of course, you know, that's a guess, but um, it's a very educated guess in trying to determine how many people are at risk. You know, it's it's a very serious um, condition, and along with diabetes, there's a condition called prediabetes, which is means your numbers are not quite high enough to uh, reach the diagnostic criteria for diabetes, but you are certainly at risk for developing diabetes. And they estimate that there's probably about one in three adults are diagnosed or undiagnosed with prediabetes. So if you look around at the office dining table at lunch break and think about you know that's that's people sitting beside you every day that could be at risk um, so it's a very serious um, thing that we need to definitely be aware of 
Betty, I want to ask you, you know, why, why do you think, you know, and everything you've seen, why is Kentucky, you know, up there in that top 10 of the states uh, in uh, cases of diabetes? With Kentucky, um, there's some good reasons. First off, uh, genetically, you're predisposed to diabetes. If you have a family history, then that is a factor in it too. But also movement, we have to move more and we know that we do not move more. And also with being high for diabetes, we're also overweight. So, and there's a saying I always like to use that if you're south of the Mason-Dixon line, we usually like to fry it, fry it and put gravy on it. So a lot of it is our, what we eat and how we eat too. So those are some factors that, you know, I foresee with it is just the lack of movement and sometimes our nutrition. Moving on now, and we've kind of touched on a little bit there, talking about reasons behind it. Are there certain types of individuals who may be at risk more uh, for diabetes? Obviously, you, you talked about, you know, some of the factors, but, you know, genetically, you know, is that pretty prevalent as well in Kentucky? Well, yes. I mean, uh, African-Americans are going to be higher. Alaskans, uh, Asian Americans, um, Pacific Islanders, Hispanics, and Hawaiians will be higher. So there are some reasons there. So with it. You know, another thing, how can people find out, you know, if they're at a greater risk uh, for diabetes? Uh, you know, Vanessa, I, I believe, Vanessa, you mentioned something about a, a risk test they can take as well, correct? Yes. If you go to the American Diabetes Association website, which is an extraordinarily credible site to go to, um, there's a lot of um, great information out on the Internet and there's some not so great. So I do point people to the American Diabetes Association as a primary site. They usually have a risk factor assessment that you can do where you can go in and ask, uh, answer rather a few simple questions that might indicate to you that you are at greater risk. Um, and of course, you know, there's some things that I think people should um, know as common risk, risk factors that you don't necessarily even have to take a quiz. You know, if if you leave a, live a sedentary lifestyle where you're not active like Betty spoke of, um, if you are overweight, if there's a family history um, of diabetes, then it kind of puts a little bit of a bullseye on you um, that you need to be watching for this. Um, um, talk to your provider, have conversations so that uh, appropriate testing can be done to see if you fall in that pre-diabetes range or you are actually um, diagnosed with diabetes um, so that you can get on it early, you know, and start working towards uh, reducing your risk associated with diabetes. Like Vanessa said, being overweight, if you're over 45 years old or if you have high blood pressure, which a lot of us have high blood pressure, if we have high triglycerides and Ladies that have had a baby weighing more, more than nine pounds, or if they have a history of polycystic ovary disease. And also one of the major factors we found here lately that has come to the top is having suffering depression. And I think with COVID also, you know, we have been more locked in our houses or less active. We're not, a lot of people that were going to the gyms, not going to the gym. So uh, just the lack of all the factors that COVID has brought with it, too. 
I did want to go back to something you, you mentioned at the very top of the interview. I talked about, you know, that obviously 23rd is alert day, and you said it's a wake-up call for people about diabetes. And so, you know, how serious, if unchecked, you know, like uh, I believe uh, Vanessa said, you know, there are many people out there walking around who may not even know that they, they uh, have it or at risk. You know, how serious can it be if it goes unchecked? Let me um, share with you just uh, some additional Kentucky statistics here about the um, death rates associated what we know about diabetes that is uncontrolled is that it, the complications um, include heart disease and stroke. And that's one of the primary uh, mechanisms of death related to diabetes is um, heart disease and stroke. But it also um, can lead to blindness, and kidney failure, um, uh, amputations that are not due necessarily to a traumatic event, but just like a wound that won't heal and things like that. Um, according to the Kentucky Diabetes Fact Sheet, in 2017, Kentucky had the fifth highest death rate in the nation due to diabetes, and that had gone up from, um, in just a matter of three years in 2014, we were 14th in the nation. So, um, so there's been a, a major jump in, in that risk. So, um, so that's what, that's why we spend so much time. That's why we have Diabetes Alert Day. That's why we have Diabetes Awareness Month in November, is because um, diabetes is a very, um, for the most part, pretty asymptomatic. It doesn't. You don't have big symptoms of your sugars necessarily being high. Now some people do. Um, so it's kind of insidious. It just kind of creeps in, starts doing its damage in the background, destroying the tiny blood vessels of your body that supply your eyes and kidneys and and uh, decrease your healing times with simple wounds and causes this plaque to build up in your heart, blood vessels, and those in the brain and increase that risk for stroke and heart disease. And, and you don't necessarily feel that. So we're not, you know, going to the doctor because we're having um, um, symptoms that keep us awake at night and symptoms that make us have problems with uh, uh, completing our activities of the day. So um, by ignoring it, it tends to progress there in the background, and we really want to stay ahead of it. So by knowing your risk factors and getting yourself to your doctor and having those conversations and putting in the efforts that Betty alluded to, you know, proper nutrition, increased physical activity, um, smoking cessation, things like that, then you can um, essentially eliminate or at least minimize greatly the potential for all of those risk factors by keeping your diabetes in control. We don't have a cure for diabetes. We have control of diabetes. And that's the most important thing for people to understand. This is a disease that you can control. Uh, behavior modification is the most essential uh, treatment strategy that any of us have, and that's with diet, exercise, smoking cessation. Um, and then if medications are required, you know, complying with your medications and things that are prescribed by your provider. You can, with prediabetes, you can reverse it. That's the great thing about prediabetes with 7% weight loss usually. So that's not a usually a great amount of weight loss. And the thing that really kind of triggers prediabetes. I mean, what physicians many times will look at your lab work. And if you have a fasting blood sugar of 100 or higher, 100 
to 125, that puts you at risk of prediabetes. So, you know, usually every year, a lot of us are having our lab works done. So you want to look at that. And, uh, and like I said, 50% can be reduced just with diet and exercise. So that's sometimes why it's very important to have your conversation with your provider, ask for at least a nutrition consult and uh, have a dietitian work with you because there are a gazillion diets out there now. You know, there's a low carb diet, there's keto diet, there's Mediterranean and working with a dietitian can help you uh, and usually one that has their license in diabetes education, uh, they can help you pick the diet they think and you think would work best for you in nutrition. So you can lower a hemoglobin A1C, that's an average, uh, how much sugar's on your blood for three months. You can lower it two points with diet and you can lower it two points with exercise. So that's four full points you can get with lifestyle changes where medications, oral medicines, only bring it down one point for each oral medicine. So you get a bigger bang for your buck with lifestyle changes. Absolutely. Very, very uh, interesting points. You know, you mentioned there's so many great resources out there. I wonder if you could once, you know, once again, go through and uh, talk about those resources, because, you know, I think that... uh, informing the public uh, and telling them where to go to get information is one of the first key steps. And like you said, Vanessa, you can't prevent it, but you can control it. Knowledge is power, right? Correct. Absolutely. And one of the things um, I think that we're very, very fortunate about in this community is that um, Baptist Health Harden supports um, us having this diabetes care clinic that we uh, we have, we're located on the campus of the hospital, and um, as a nurse practitioner, I provide exclusively diabetes care, uh, medication management, and insulin pumps, and continuous glucose sensors, and those types of things, and all things diabetes as far as uh, medical management, but we have the added um, value, um, which I cannot express more clearly how wonderful it is that we have a diabetes education program with people um, like Betty who's on with us this morning um, that um, you know high caliber education provided um, um, Betty's one of the most compassionate diabetes educators I've ever known and um, and then we have a diabetes nutritionist, a dietitian in the office, and she exclusively um, helps patients with diabetes nutrition management. And we're fortunate that um, Baptist Health Harden supports that program and has kept us ongoing even through the pandemic crisis and those types of things that we're, um, we're able to provide that service to the community. So patients or people rather, uh, in the community who are diagnosed with diabetes, diagnosed with prediabetes, um, they can talk to their primary care providers and get referrals to the clinic. If they need medical management, then I can do that for them. Uh, medical management meaning medications and diabetes technology, things like that, uh, where if they need education, and everyone with diabetes, everyone with diabetes, especially newly diagnosed, needs diabetes education. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, Because um, like Betty said, that behavior modification is key and that's where you learn that. Um, So if they're interested in that, they can get a referral from their provider to see um, 
Betty for general diabetes education and counseling, and they can see Ashley for diabetes nutrition therapy. I, I urge people to reach out. Uh, it's a covered benefit with insurance to receive diabetes education and diabetes nutrition counseling. A value, value added service. The final thing I have for you all, and again, thank you all so much uh, for joining me today. I'm glad you brought it up, the pandemic. And I believe, Betty, you had mentioned uh, it a little, talked about it a little bit earlier, alluded to it. How big of an impact do you think the pandemic, looking back, you know, five, 10 years from now, do you think it'll have any significant impact on maybe diagnosis of prediabetes or diabetes in general? How big do I think it will be? I think, you know, we were discussing this at the first of the pandemic because if when the pandemic very first started, we were all eating better and we weren't going to fast foods and things like that. And we were cooking at home and then we gradually started i know i have and i think vanessa has too we started going more through a fast food place through the drive-thru of course we want to support our local restaurants and uh so i think it's going to next year i think you're going to see more as we get out and start going back to our doctors because that's another thing a lot of people haven't you know kept their doctor and their dental appointments because of the pandemic uh, I think we were going to see that this has impacted us and uh, COVID also has increased. There's some studies out that COVID has increased the diabetes if you've had COVID. So I think it's definitely going to show that it, the stats have went up, but that's just my crystal ball. Well, I, I agree with Betty. I think, um, you know, we've, we know that diabetes is a risk factor for people that develop COVID that it does um, increase their um, risk with COVID having diabetes. But I also um, think that we're finding that some people are developing um, some diabetes um, after the fact of having COVID because of that general um, attack on the body that happens in some people with COVID. But it's interesting, um, the amount of weight gain that we're seeing over the last year among patients. Um, I joke with my patients and I say the COVID-19 is actually the 19 pounds that everybody is gaining uh, because of the lack of physical activity and the just kind of sitting in the house and those constant runs to the cabinet, to the refrigerator, that stacking kind of stuff that happens out of sheer boredom. And so I'm grateful that things are opening up a little bit and um, and that people are able to maybe get out a bit more and that the weather's starting to turn a little bit. Of course, it is Kentucky. You never know. It could snow in three days. Um, but, you know, people just need to get outside, not only for their physical health, but for their mental health. Um, so COVID, I think, it, I agree with Betty. I think we're going to have an impact. We're going to see a, an increased prevalence as a result of this um, because of uh, weight gain and and different factors like that. My two guests this uh, morning, Vanessa Patty, nurse practitioner with the Diabetes Care Clinic at Baptist Health Harden, and Betty Bryant, RN certified diabetes education specialist. So ladies, thank you so much for talking with me. It's been very informative. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zach. We appreciate always thank having you. the opportunity. For a recap of today's forum, you can listen to past forums by going to our website, wqxc.com, and clicking on the Media tab. For Quixie 98.3, I'm Zach Epperson.